Good morning, good afternoon and good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm James Schofield, the writer of the stories in Season 2 of this podcast, Behind the Bottom Line. Can I ask you a question? What do you really know about the people you work with? What I've learned is that everybody has an unusual story to tell about themselves and the things that they've done. Over the years, I've turned these people and events into short stories for different magazines. In each episode of Behind the Bottom Line, I read you my original story, and afterwards I tell you something about its real-life background. Today's story is called 99%, and if you belong to the 1%, I don't think you're going to like this. 99% At the time, it seemed like a disaster, But some people say the office party that my friend Julie helped me to organise was the best ever. It was truly unforgettable. This is what happened. About a year ago, we got jobs as temps working for a small private bank, Spencer, Penn and Gwynne Limited, right in the centre of London. It was a lovely place to work and we both wanted to stay there. Well, after a couple of months, Mrs Nesbitt, the personnel director, asked us to organise the bank's 300th anniversary party. Something nice and tasteful, she said. At our Christmas party last year, we had children singing with a harpist dressed as Father Christmas. Julie started to giggle and turned it into a cough. What's our budget, Mrs Nesbitt? I asked. Ask the accounts department, and if you do a good job, I'll make sure you both get permanent contracts. Unfortunately, the accounts department was really stingy, so we had to be creative. Luckily, we managed to save a lot of money on the music. Simon, an ex-boyfriend of Julie's, was the lead singer of a band called The Walnuts. She told him our problem, and when he heard the party was at a bank, He said they would play for free. Why would he do that? I asked Julie. Oh, he probably still fancies me. I remember when he... Why are they called the walnuts? I interrupted. Julie is my best friend, but it gets on my nerves when she starts talking about her boyfriends. Oh, they're all nuts, Julie said. At college they were always going on protest marches. I wasn't really interested, but they're a great band. They play everything, ABBA, Robbie Williams, and their own songs too. So, that was one less thing to worry about. Next, we wanted some entertainment. Well, my Uncle Morris is an actor, and I thought it would be funny if he dressed up as Sir John Spencer, the founder of the bank, and gave presents to all the staff. Of course I'll do it, Paula. It'd be a pleasure. And we could dress Benny and Dominic as the other partners, Mr Penn and Mr Gwynne. Benny and Dominic are my cousins. They're great fun, but can get a little overexcited, especially if there's alcohol around. But, Uncle, remember last New Year? They've promised never to mix vodka and Cossack dancing again, especially on tables. Fiona, who ran the company restaurant, agreed to prepare the food. So then we only had to find some nice presents for the staff, 
which was a problem because we'd only be given a budget of £200. But Julie's dad has a friend who has contacts who sell him goods from local shops that have gone out of business. He said that he could get us some nice things cheap. So we gave him the money and he delivered lots of nicely wrapped gifts in time for the event. The day of the party arrived. Everybody came to the company restaurant and with the band playing and good food and drink, the party began well. Then I heard a voice from somewhere behind me. Paula! It was Uncle Morris. Can you come here? He was just outside the door, dressed exactly like the 18th century picture of the original Sir John Spencer. Uncle, you look wonderful. What's wrong? Benny! Dominic! He called. My cousins waddled around the corner and my mouth fell open. We misunderstood about Pen and Gwyn, began Benny. We thought Dad said penguins, finished Dominic. Don't worry, Paula, said Uncle Morris. We shall improvise. They walked and waddled their way onto the stage. Uncle Morris took the microphone and introduced himself as Sir John Spencer and Benny and Dominic as the Penguins. There was a moment's silence and then everybody laughed and clapped. Oh, that was lucky, Julie said to me a little later. I was watching Mrs Nesbitt and the chairman. You should have seen the look on her face before he began laughing. Is it time for the presents yet? I fetched Uncle Morris, Benny and Dominic from the bar. Off you go, I said. One present for each person, OK? Then Julie pulled me outside to smoke a cigarette. When we came back, something was wrong. The music had stopped. Some people were laughing, others shaking their heads, and the chairman and Mrs Nesbitt were looking serious. She came towards us like a hungry bird that has just seen two large worms. Is this a nice, tasteful gift? She said, waving something under my nose. It was a very thin, red string tanga. And look what one of your penguins just gave to the chairman. She handed Julie a large box of multicoloured condoms. This is disgusting! Oh, Mrs Nesbitt, began Julie, we're so sorry. You see, we'll talk tomorrow. Tell the band to play. We'd hurried over and told them what had happened. Right, said Simon. Don't worry, Julie. But the look on his face as he took the microphone worried me a lot. This next song is called 99%, he said, and I wrote it specially for all you bankers. One, two, three. Driving a car, built like a tanker, that's how you know you're looking at a banker. But now has come the time, yeah, we've been sent to tell you all about the 99%. Because what we're going to do is catch yourself a banker, tie him right up and sink him with an anchor. The crowd began booing loudly and soon the first champagne glass hit the stage. Occupy the bank, shouted Simon. He grabbed Mrs Nesbitt, who was about to throw some chocolate mousse, handcuffed himself to her and swallowed the key. Help! Help! Police! cried Mrs Nesbitt. By the time the police arrived, fights had started all over the restaurant. Uncle Morris, Julie, the penguins and I escaped through the kitchen. The walnuts were arrested 
but they didn't mind, because it was good publicity for their whole Occupy Wall Street movement. Unfortunately, the police thought Mrs Nesbitt was a protester too, uh, so they kept her at the police station until the next morning. We decided that maybe it was not a good idea to go back to Spencer, Penn and Gwynne Limited. Anyway, when we found out the presents that had started the trouble were from a local sex shop that had recently gone bankrupt, we felt it was morally wrong to be in the banking business. Because this is an example of what the walnuts are protesting about, said Julie. Bankers don't do enough to support small companies, do they? Ninety nine percent was written in two thousand and twelve when the Occupy Wall Street movement was in full flow, um, and they obviously inspired me quite a lot in uh, writing this story. Um, but what regular listeners, I'm sure, will be pleased to see is the return of two of my favourite characters, uh, Julie and Paula. They've already featured twice in Behind the Bottom Line. Um, in the story Julie and Me, and also in the story Vobi the Accidental Guru. And interestingly enough, um, those episodes are the most popular of all the episodes we've had in Behind the Bottom Line. Those two have had more listens than any other. So I'm optimistic that 99% will also prove to be a favourite with people. Um, The reason I like these two characters so much and why they keep on popping up again and again in Uh, in my short stories is that they are a kind of amalgamation of characters from different periods of my life. Um, And so I find um, when I'm looking for something to write about, um, the things that the amalgamated characters of Julie and Paula have done over time, they they come back and they get recycled and uh, turned into new stories. And um, I think that'll probably go on for as long as I carry on writing. What I should say, though, is Paula is actually based um, quite closely on a Paula that I used to work with uh, when I was a student. I worked, uh, my sister got me a job at a soft furnishings store called Sanderson's in the, uh, just just behind Oxford Street. And uh, it was a great job. I really enjoyed myself. And Paula was one of the sales assistants there. And I was a little bit in awe of her because she was um, very loud and exciting and and fun. Um, And so the Paula character is is based on quite closely on somebody, Um, though not the actual events. I have to I have to admit, I don't think Paula did anything quite as scandalous as the Paula in my story. Um, As for the events that Julie and Paula or the event that Julie and Paula have to organize in this in this short story um, I've done quite a lot of event organizing uh, in my time with various people um, including quite a few Christmas events um, my favorite one we actually set up an entire Christmas market um, selling uh, suitable Christmas stuff and Hot Kuiperinias, which I thought was quite a novelty, um, or certainly was at the time when we did it. Um, and uh, so organising events is always quite uh, nerve-wracking because you never it's you never quite know whether people are going to like what you do, uh, but it's also a lot of fun. And the character of Mrs Nesbitt 
um, is based on somebody that I was supposed to be doing a uh, uh, organizing a Christmas event with one year um, and somehow we didn't see eye to eye and Mrs. Nesbitt uh, the, the character Mrs. Nesbitt is a little bit based on this person who was supposed to be working with me to organize this event and she very much wanted to have a harpist playing suitable Christmas music um, and I didn't think that was going to be any fun so uh, we parted ways and um we didn't have a harvest. And the, the bank itself is also the kind of place um, that I used to deliver wine to when I worked as a, as a, also as a student, when I worked as a, for a wine deliverer um, in the city of London, um, driving uh, a van all over London to, all over the city of London to uh, banks and hedge fund managers and so on. And the kind of people that I delivered wine to were very much like the people in Spencer Penn and Gwynne Limited uh, in the in the centre of the city of London. I hope you enjoyed 99%. That was episode 10 of season 2 of Behind the Bottom Line. Uh, and I'm sorry to tell you that I'm going to be taking a break now um, until September. Please subscribe on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcast or whichever app you use so that as soon as the next season starts, you'll get your favorite podcast episodes again. In the meantime, if you've missed any episodes, shame on you, but you've got the chance now to catch up on those episodes. Um, you can tell your friends about the show. You can write an online review. And if you have any suggestions or ideas for what you would like to hear on the show in season three, maybe how I could do things better, um, then write to me directly at james.rupert.schofield at gmail.com. So until the next season of Behind the Bottom Line, this is James Schofield saying stay safe and goodbye. <laughs>